Hi everybody, this is Pastor Scott George and I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to uh, Pine Castle United Methodist Church. This is our Sunday morning service and people from all over Central Florida are gathering together as we worship uh, the Lord our God today and we want to welcome you. We are glad that you're here. It's going to be a great service. We've got some wonderful music. We've got a great children's message and our, our staff has is, is put together just a wonderful time for us to worship together. It's going to be really, really good. I look forward to talking today about grace and I want you to know that grace has you and grace is amazing and we're going to have a wonderful time together. So let's kick off today's service with a word of prayer and we'll go right into some wonderful worship together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that this is the day that you have made. We are going to choose and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you for every person that's watching. I don't believe it's an accident that they're watching today. And I thank you what the, what you're going to do in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do as we come together to worship you as your church. We honor you today and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Let's go into worship right now and then I will be back to teach in a few minutes on grace. God bless you. Sing it out, church. I was buried. I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Now I was breathing beneath. Not alive. All my failures I try to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You call my name, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness to your glorious day, you call my name. I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness to your glorious day. Sing now your mercy. See, I saved my soul. And now your freedom is all that I know. The old may know, Jesus, when I may you, oh, you call my name. I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness to your glorious day, you call my name. I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness to your glorious day.
Amen. What an awesome time of worship. Thank you, Aaron, Bruce, Lisa. Such a blessing. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining our live stream. We are so glad you're here. If you're new here, please take a moment to like us on Facebook to be notified of future live events. You can also add your voice to the conversation by engaging in the comments. And go ahead and hit that share button to spread the good news with your friends and your family. Speaking of sharing good news, every week we like to give you the opportunity to be a positive influencer on social media. We call it PC Share. And this week's post is this. Grace happens when you ask for it. Pastor Scott will be delving into that during his message a little later, but take a moment right now to go ahead and post that on social media. And when you do, be sure to tag us. We're at Pinecastle UMC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We know the Bible tells us how important it is to gather together, and we look forward to returning to church again as soon and as safely as we can. We're all looking forward to the day when the building doors are open once again, but that time isn't now. At this time, online worship is the safest approach, so we'll continue to live stream our worship services each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on Facebook and at any time on demand on our website, pinecastleumc.com. You can also take us with you wherever you go and listen to every message in Pastor Scott's current series on our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our website is where you'll find all the latest information. We'll keep you up to date about what we're planning and when we believe it's safe to resume in-person worship. But really, the reopening date isn't nearly as important as our reopening attitude. It isn't what we do, but how we do it that matters most to God. So let's be humble, let's be gentle, let's be patient, and let's be united. We'll rejoin our service in just a moment, but first, would you pray this together with me? Most merciful and triune God, we come to you in our weakness. We come to you in our fear. We come to you with trust, for you alone are our hope. We place before you the disease that's present in our world. We turn to you in our time of need. Bring wisdom to doctors, give understanding to scientists, Endow caregivers with compassion and generosity. Bring healing to those who are ill. Protect those who are most at risk. Give comfort to those who have lost a loved one and welcome those who have died into your eternal home. Stabilize our communities. Unite us in compassion. Remove all fear from our hearts. Fill us with confidence in your care. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen.
Good morning. If I were to ask you, who are you? You would probably tell me your name and that'd be correct. But deep down inside, who are you? A couple of weeks ago, we discovered in Ephesians 2.8 that grace is God's gift. Grace is a free gift. But if we continue to read in Ephesians 2, we come to 2.10, and that's our PC Kids motto verse. And that says, we are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for us to do. I love the beginning of that verse. It says, we are God's creation. We are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's work of art. Hmm. When I say masterpiece and work of art, what do you think of? Possibly a beautiful big sculpture or a wonderful painting? Well, have you ever thought of yourself as a masterpiece or work of art? You are. Think about this. If God created you, and we know he did, then he chose you. And if God chose you, and you accepted that gift, then you are his child. You are a child of God. And you have been adopted into his family. You are his. Wow. Well, that verse now goes on to say, he created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works that long ago he prepared for us to do. Well, we don't do good works to earn God's grace. We do good works because we have God's grace and we wanna share it. So now I ask you again, who are you? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for creating us. Thank you that we are your masterpiece, that we are your work of art. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you that we are children of God, adopted into your family. That is the best place to be, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, kids, seriously think about that. Who are you? But now it's time for me to go. I'll see you next week. Now it's time for us to pass this off to Pastor John, who is going to teach us more about tithes and offerings. Bye. Good to worship with you today. You know, it's good to have a plan, and God has a plan. We often say that God has a plan for your life and my life, and I, I believe that's true. But God has a plan to help us flourish.
financially. Leviticus 27.30 talks about that plan. It says, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me, whether it grows in the fields or on your fruit trees. Back in that day, they had an agrarian society, and that's how they made their living, by buying and selling fruits and vegetables and animals. Well, today, we uh, make money by various means, and some of us are retired, and we make money through our portfolio or through some sort of pension plan. But God has a very succinct plan for our finances, and it's called tithing, 10%. It makes uh, writing a check to the church holy, H-O-L-Y, and know that it belongs wholly to God, W-H-O-L-L-Y. It's all God's. So I hope you've enjoyed tithing if you've been doing that, or maybe you'll find the joy of tithing. Try it. You will certainly not only enjoy it, but you'll be blessed beyond your wildest imaginations. Let us pray. God, it's time for the offering, and we give these tithes, gifts, and offerings to you. Let them be used to let others find the same joy, blessing, and knowledge of Jesus in our lives that we've found through your grace and gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. For those of you who don't know me, I am Sandra Lear, the Children's Minister, and I would like to thank you for your faithful giving to our Kids Center Roof Campaign. Our Kids Center is a building utilized by the PC Kids Ministry and our On the Rock Preschool, and it's used pretty much every day. And because of your generosity, we were able to get a much needed new roof and replace a very old air conditioner. So on behalf of myself, the children's minister, Karen Abel, our preschool director, and all of the kids, we wanna thank you. But don't just take it from me. Let's let them tell you too. Thank you. Thank you, Pine Castle. Thank you, Pine Castle, for air conditioning. Thank you for giving me cool church for our new air conditioner and roof. We appreciate it. Good morning, Pine Castle. This is Karen Abel, the director at On the Rock Preschool. We're here this morning to thank you so much for your donations to be able to fix our roof on the kids' ministry. This morning in front of the crane, which our students here love, which has been a big part in helping to fix our crib. We just want to say thank you so much for your donations that made this possible. So on the count of three, boys and girls, let's say thank you. One, two, three. Thank you. We appreciate you so much.
What a great time of uh, worship uh, that was today. I want to thank Bruce and uh, Lisa and Aaron and uh, all of our staff for helping the, the tech team, all the people behind the scenes that make this uh, happen. We want to say a big thank you and, uh, and God bless you. We're glad you're here today. Uh, as you can see, I'm in the chapel here at the church and uh, what a great place for me to come and to, just to, to, to pray and to sense God's nearness. I love coming in this beautiful chapel and I'm coming to you today from uh, the campus here at Pine Castle. And we're going to continue in our series on the hymns, hymns of help, hope, and healing. And uh, this month we are looking at hymns of grace. And so last month we talked about hymns of healing. And this week we are talking about hymns of grace. And uh, today's great hymn is uh, Can It Be? A, a wonderful hymn uh, written by Charles Wesley. And you ought to know that name. He was a loyal Methodist. Uh, some say that he is um, the greatest hymn writer of all ages. Charles Wesley was the youngest son of 18 children. And he wrote, Can It Be?, uh, and it's a great, great hymn. And experts tell us that he wrote, listen to this, over 6,500 hymns in his lifetime. And uh, with 6,500 hymns, he would be the greatest hymn writer of all time. And we are looking today at the wonderful hymn that he wrote. And uh, oh, can it be? And uh, some, some refer it to Amazing Love, uh, several titles, but uh, I want to read some of the lyrics uh, to you as we look at this beautiful hymn. And um, it says, And can it be that I should gain an interest into the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Tis mystery all, thy mortal dies, who can explore his strange design. In vain the firstborn seraphith ties to sounds the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all, let earth adore, let angels' minds inquire no more. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thy eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke, the dungeon flamed with light, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose and went forth and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all in him is mine, alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Jesus Christ my own. What great, great words by the great Charles Wesley, and I'm glad that he wrote that song today. And we're going to talk for the next few moments about that very grace that uh, he sang about. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me real quick. We're going to go to a couple scriptures, 
And I want you to first go to, to, to John uh, chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's in the, uh, obviously, the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1 and verse 16. Let me read this to you. What a great, great scripture. This is about grace. And if you're with me this morning, let me hear a big amen. Amen. I heard you. John 1, 16 says, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. From his fullness of grace, and Charles Wesley wrote about it in this beautiful hymn, we all receive blessing one after another. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And Charles Wesley wrote about that. And so we are focusing on, on, on the, uh, the doctrine of grace and really just trying to tap into the beauty of his amazing, amazing grace. Um, go to Revelations. That's in the last book of the Bible. And I want to just talk to you about why grace is so important. If you go to the last chapter, the last verse in the Bible. Now think about this. I, I've written... Uh, nine, nine books over the past uh, 10 years. Uh, the latest book uh, that I'm writing is, is it's already written and it's going to press, print and it's going to be uh, produced here in the next few weeks called Blindsided. How to get up when life knocks you down. Now, as an author, um, the last phrase, the last paragraph in the last chapter is what you want to leave the reader with. When, when, when the reader reads the book, obviously you want to catch their attention at the beginning, but the very end you save for really the most important thought or concept that you're trying to get across in your book. Now think about it. If I were to ask you, and here's a question, what topic is the last verse in the Bible about? Some of you may say, well, it's about sin. Some of you will say, oh, it's about repentance. Some will say, oh, it's about uh, condemnation. Uh, or it's about you know, the last days. I mean, you have so many different viewpoints and uh, positions on that. But I think it's interesting that if you look at the last phrase in the Bible, and, and it's found in... Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. It's up on the screen. Here it is. This is the last thought. This is the last message. The writer wants to just, just take the whole Bible and, and put it into the, the very most important message of the entire book. And here it is. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Wow. It's not really about sin. It's really not about repentance. It's really not about um, condemnation or judgment. The last message in God's word in Revelation chapter 2 verse 21 is may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all God's people. And I wish we would tap into that. I wish we would acknowledge that. I wish we would highlight the fact that the grace of God is key to the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we can all tap into the grace. And the writer in Revelation says, I pray that the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with all people. And you know what I found? I found that not all God's people walk in grace. There's a lot of people walking in judgment. A lot of people walking in condemnation. A lot of people know all the scriptures and know all the right things have been attending church, but they're not growing in grace and they're not walking in grace. The message and the good news of Jesus Christ is God wants the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with all God's people. And that's you and that's me. If I were you, I would tap into God's grace. Charles Wesley wrote about it. We sang about it. And we need to continue to live in that grace that's available for us. And I pray today that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be on you, on your life, on your family, on your business. It's the last word in the Bible. May the grace of Christ be with you today. Listen to this quote by Grisham Mesham. He says, the very center and core of the whole Bible is the doctrine of the grace of God. I love that. The, the very center and the core, and as we saw at the very end, the last message is the doctrine of the grace of God. Let me read you a couple of quotes about some great men who, who, who talk about uh, what is grace. Uh, grace is free, sovereign to the ill-deserving. Grace is the free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. That's B.B. Warfield. John Stott said it this way. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Beautiful. Grace is the love that cares, stoops, and rescues. I love this. Jerry Bridges says, Grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. What a great, what a great, uh, great quote. And then Paul Zoll, I like that. Grace is the unconditional love toward a person who does not deserve it. And that's Paul Zoll. Grace is the unconditional love towards a person who does not deserve it. What great quotes. Uh, those quotes are on the screen for you to see so you can just get the full expression of these wonderful, wonderful quotes on God's amazing grace. So let's go just for a few moments to Luke uh, chapter chapter 23. And I know I've got you going all over in the Bible today, but um, we've got nothing to say unless it's the word of God. And the word of God is central, focused to our teaching and especially when you're discussing the grace of God. So go to, go to Luke chapter 23. And um, I wanna go verse... 39 just for a moment. Now, this verse of scripture, historically, people use uh, around Easter time. Uh, it's usually talked about only at Easter. But as I was thinking about the grace of God, as I was thinking about this hymn that Charles Wesley wrote, Oh, Can It Be? Uh, when I think about the grace of God, this story is beautifully uh, describing God's amazing grace, God rescuing us. Uh, when we don't deserve it. Uh, it's uh, Grace is, is not based on merit, it's based on mercy. And this is a beautiful illustration of God's amazing grace. Uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 39. So these are, uh, Christ is on the cross. He has two criminals, one to his left, one to his right. And look what it says in verse 39, if you're with me, let me hear a big amen. 
And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting and what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, what a great story. If you want to talk about grace, uh, this is probably one of the greatest stories in the New Testament, expressing the grace of God. Christ is, is of course, dying for the sins of the world. He's got a, a, a criminal on his right, a criminal on his right, on his left, and, and the one has an attitude, and the other um, really just humbles himself. And I really find that that is really the reaction, two reactions that most people have when it comes to grace. Some people are very proud, very arrogant. Uh, they think that they have deserved it. They think that they earn it. They think that by their merit. And then there's others that are just simply humble when it comes to the grace of God. Now, these two criminals, cr criminals uh, they both have names. And I think it's really, really interesting uh, that uh, there's no meaningless details in the Bible. And uh, the one criminal, his name is Justice. Uh, he's the one that has an attitude. He's the one that's complaining. He's the one that is bickering and, and full of bitterness. It's interesting, his name means to complain. Justice, his name means to complain. And there's a lot of people that are just like that criminal on the cross next to Christ. They live their whole life complaining. They live their whole life bickering. Maybe you have someone in your family. Maybe you have someone on the job. Maybe you have someone in your neighborhood that is just like justice. All they do is complain. And here he was, watch this, a few inches away from the grace of God that was available to him. And he couldn't see it. That's why I think it's interesting Christ cried out, forgive them for they don't know what they do. There's a lot of people, they just don't see it. It's right in front of them. It is right there. And this man, Justice, was just a few inches away from the, the grace of God, the amazing grace that we sing about, and yet he was unable to tap into the grace that was there for him. Justice's name means to complain, and he complained his way to missing the very grace and the mercy of God. The other criminal, his name is Dismas. And his name means sunset. See, he had a different attitude. He had a different vantage point. He was there with Christ. He was just a few inches away, but his paradigm, his perception, his observation was totally different than Justice. Justice, all he did was complain, but Dismas recognize the grace of God. And his name means sunset. Think about it. Jesus said to him, before the sun sets, before the day is over, Dismas, you are going to be with me in paradise. Did, did Dismas's parents have any idea that were, they were naming their son, that they would be speaking to the grace of God. They would be speaking to the mercy of God. 
And this criminal who deserved death because he humbled himself and in the last moment of his life, the last breath of his life, he cried out for mercy and God's mercy was abundant and God's mercy was full and God's mercy was available. And by the end of the day, when the sun set, Dismas would tap into the grace and the mercy of God today. Powerful story. I pray that you live your life like Dismas, uh, humbling yourself, acknowledging the grace of God, not living like Justice who lives life complaining, but we live like Dismas, full of grace, full of mercy, full of humility, walking in the grace of God. Um, Here's, here's a few points I want to leave with you today. Number one, grace happens. How does grace happen, Pastor Scott? If we look at this story, how does grace happen? Grace happens and it's initiated by God and it's initiated towards a rebellious people. That's you and me. And grace happens when, and I'm going to give you a couple points. Number one, grace happens when, write this down here, it's there in your notes, when you're guilty. Grace is best ex uh, explored and expanded and expressed when you and I recognize that we are guilty. We're like the criminal, Dismas. We recognize that we are guilty. And, and when you come to that place where you recognize you're guilty, grace happens. Go to, go to Romans chapter, uh, ch chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And verse 14, it's there on your, on your screen. Romans chapter six, verse 14. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. And grace declares that we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. You can't work for it. And grace happens when you and I come to the realization that we are guilty. We have no defense. We have no explanation. We can't talk our way out of it. We can't wiggle our way out of it. Grace takes place when you and I come to the place where we say, I am guilty. You know, as a dad, I used to catch my kids uh, a lot of times um, doing things they shouldn't do. I'm not going to name any names, Austin or Aaron or Amanda or Allison. And I'm not sure which one had more, but, but, but I always enjoyed when they would come to the place where they would not try to justify or not try to explain or not try to get out of, but they would finally just say, you know what, dad, I messed up. Dad, I, I did something wrong. And when I found that attitude as a father, an earthly father, I wanted to extend grace and mercy. But so many times we try to come up with a defense. So many times we try to come up with excuses. So many times we try to come up with reasons why. And I would just tell you, uh, grace takes place the best when you and I simply acknowledge that we're guilty and we need amazing grace. Number two, grace happens when you're weak. And we don't like, as Americans, as humans, we don't like a position of weakness. We like to be in control. We like to be in charge. We like to have all the answers. We like to, 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 to have it all figured out and, and in our control. And guess what? Uh, grace happens best 
when you are weak. Look at this verse of scripture. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians. You're there in Romans. Just go over to the right just a couple. and Go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And look at verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And grace happens best when you and I are weak. You know, the best thing you can do right now is you can simply say, God, I need your grace today. I acknowledge that I'm guilty. I acknowledge that I am weak. I am coming to you not in a position of power or strength. I'm coming to you in a position of weakness. And your grace is sufficient for me. So in persecution, in hardships, in insults, in troubles, God's power is perfected in us. And grace happens when you are weak. Number three, grace happens when you and I are humble. Number one, grace happens when you're guilty. Grace happens when you're weak. And then number three, grace happens when you're humble. Look at, look at James. If you're there in Corinthians, go to, go to James just for a moment. James chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, But he gives us grace, more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, grace happens when you're humble. And the Bible says there in James that God opposes the proud. That word there means he resists the proud. He is against the proud. And many times in our lives, man, pride just wants to rise up. Pride wants to come alive. And that's the, that's the very thing that, 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 that God opposes. Why? Because his word says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How about this? How about today? We walk for the rest of the day in humility. Serving others above ourselves. Not thinking about ourselves. Not rising up in, in pride, but living a life of humility. And when you and I do that, the Bible says God gives grace. He gives more grace. Grace happens when you're humble. And I pray today that, uh, that dads that are listening, that, that, that you'll be humble to your kids. You know, I found that, that when my kids, when I would humble myself, my kids would respond to that. Your wife is going to respond to your humility. Your boss is going to respond to your humility. Your unsaved friends are going to respond to your humility. Uh, the people at work, they're going to respond to your humility. Why? Because God gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud. 
And there is a, what I call a, a, a pride spirit that rises up in all of us. And we need to constantly battle that. And we need to say, God, I want grace to happen in my life. And I know that grace happens when I'm guilty. Grace happens when I'm weak. Grace happens when I humble. So I humble myself today, God, and I ask you to give me grace. The same kind of grace that Charles Wesley wrote about. Amazing grace. Number four, real quickly. Uh, grace happens when you quit. Grace happens when you quit. Go to Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And go to verse 2-8. Uh, verse, verse Ephesians chapter 2-8. There it is. I was having trouble finding Ephesians, but I found it. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8. Actually, let's go to verse 4 just for a moment. This is a great chapter on grace. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, there it is, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, there it is again, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here it is. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, I don't like, I don't like quitters. I don't think it's a good idea for any of us to quit except when it comes to trying to earn God's love and earn God's grace. Ephesians here says, you have been saved by grace and it's not of yourself. I wish you would just quit. I wish you would just throw in the towel. I wish you would just yield to the fact that you can't earn God's grace, you can't earn his mercy. Grace happens when you quit. And could it be that God is just waiting for you to quit? To quit relying on yourself, to quit relying on your abilities, to quit relying on your intellect, to quit relying on your degrees, to quit relying on your income, to quit relying on the size of your IRA and the, and the size of your bank account and finally come to that place where you recognize that you can't do it. You've got to quit. Today is the day to quit. And when you quit, grace happens. Grace is waiting just as Christ was on the cross. Grace was waiting to be revealed and he just needed to find someone who simply said, I quit and dismiss, quit on the cross. And he was in paradise with Christ at the end of the day. It's time for you to quit. Now, now I'm not saying go in and quit your job. You, you need your job. You need to quit, uh, continue to work. But you need to quit trying to earn it. And quit trying to make it happen. And simply allow grace to happen when you quit. And then here's number five. This is the last one. Uh, grace happens when you're guilty. It happens when you're weak. It happens when you're humble. It happens when you quit. And then number five, 
Grace happens when you suffer. You know, there's just no way for me to hear that word suffer and, and, and not talk about what our family's been through the past, the past year. We talk about pain and suffering and hardship and toil and crying out to God. I mean, it was the most uh, painful experience of my life. I hope I never have to go through it again. But I do know this, that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, and by the way, Austin is, is doing really well. He's recovering. He's getting better every single day. For those of you that don't know, uh, uh, back in September 2019, he had a traumatic uh, brain injury and he was on death's door. And by the grace and the mercy of God, he was rescued and saved. And, and uh, uh, he's back now in Orlando and he's, he's, he's getting better and we're believing for a total healing. But uh, thank you so much for your prayers and updates. I'm gonna bring him to church as soon as, as, soon as we, we get to come back. I want you to see him because you guys have prayed him through. And I, I will say this uh, to my last breath, that it was the prayers of the saints. It was the prayers of Pine Castle. It was the church family that held, uh, held him, his needs up before the Lord and uh, God's grace saved him. But in the midst of suffering, grace happens. Grace happens at your weakest moment. Grace happens when you're in pain. Grace happens when you're suffering. Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and verse, verse 10. I love this. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, he himself will restore you. He will make you strong. He will make you firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Look at that verse. The God of all grace, after you have suffered a little while. Can I tell you something? Your suffering, your pain, your heartache, your misery is not going to last forever. It's not. The Bible says it's going to happen in a little while. Maybe you've had to hang on to a pain and a hardship and a sorrow for 50 years. Can I tell you? It won't be forever. In a little while, the God of all grace will restore you, will make you strong, will make you firm and steadfast. I like those words, restore, strong, firm, steadfast. Man, when I was in my weakest moment, I didn't feel restored. I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel firm. I didn't feel steadfast, but it was the grace of God, the God of all grace, the grace that Charles Wesley was writing about. It was the grace of God that came into my life because I was weak and I was suffering and grace happens at your darkest moments. There's somebody watching today and, and you're just, you're so sick of this Corona thing as we all are and you are depressed and you are discouraged and you're wondering how much longer grace happens when you and I are going through hard times, when we suffer. And it's that suffering that opens the way for God's grace to come in. 
And I just want to speak this over you today. God's going to restore you. God's going to make you strong. God's going to make you firm. God's going to make you steadfast. Why? Because that's how grace happens. In your weakest moment, grace will be there for you today. And Charles Wesley sang about it. I've seen grace work. It happens. It works. It's the last phrase in the Bible. May the grace of God be with all God's people. And I want to, I want to pray for you today that the same grace that Charles Wesley wrote about would be available for you today. Let's uh, pray. I want you to join hands with somebody in your room. If you're watching in your living room, grab your, your wife's hand. I've heard so many reports of husbands and wives uh, watching this together, families watching this together. Uh, let's pray today. Join hands and let's gather today just for the next few moments and, and ask God to, to fill us with his grace today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Charles Wesley. Thank you for his beautiful hymn that he wrote about your amazing grace. Thank you for the, the last chance, the last second where we can cry out to you in our darkest times and you're there to forgive us. Thank you for your amazing grace. I pray for your people today that they will grow in grace, that your grace upon grace upon grace would be available for us today. I pray for those that are suffering. I pray for those that are in pain. I pray for those that are filled with pride. I pray, God, that we will allow grace to happen in our lives if we'll simply surrender to you. We trust you today. We know you're in charge. And we thank you that you're going to help us to be a people of grace. Help us to grow in grace. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and fill you with peace. May God bestow on you a spirit of grace so that you can live and walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you back next week. 10.30. Don't let anything keep you from watching and coming and worshiping with us. We look forward to seeing you next week at 10.30. God bless you. Go and send no more. Bye-bye.